0: Like a lot of YouTubers when they're starting out, they want to write everything out and they want to have all yeah. that. and I just I just wing it. I just do it. And yeah, I have to edit a little bit here and there, but in general I just I'm able to do that because of you know my my experience in broadcasting. And certainly I also am familiar, a little bit familiar with some of the technical aspects of television.
1: Welcome to the Expat Fire Club, where we interview seekers of financial independence living outside of their home countries and the people that can help them achieve their goals.
2: Welcome back, everybody. We've got Mike DeJong uh, on the uh, podcast with us here today, and we're actually talking about a this is a whole podcast about side hustles and more specifically about Mike's YouTube side hustle here. So we've got uh, mainly investing and in personal finance in particular is exactly that it's, it's personal and it's something that can be either complicated or it can be quite simple it all depends on the person here so one part of personal finance is is really creating enough money or even a surplus above your monthly expenses in order to invest in things like index funds or blue chip stocks or real estate so so of course on on today's podcast we're talking with with Mike about how he started his side hustle I guess it was during the pandemic. Maybe you could tell us more about that, Mike. I'm pretty sure you started during the pandemic, maybe to earn extra income, doing something that he loves. And then at the same time, helping people from, I'm guessing all over the world, you probably met people from from different countries during your, your time with, the pod, with your channel here and okay. helping them learn a new talent here. So Mike, welcome. Welcome to the podcast here.
1: Well, thanks very much. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So, Mike, why don't we start off really quick. Could you give us an overview of what your YouTube channel is? And if you'd like, you can even share, you know, how how people can find it. Okay. Yeah, great. It's a, it's a music channel,
0: basically, but music lessons channel. And it's for the mandolin. I picked up the mandolin about five or six years ago. And I've been a guitar player for most of my life. But picked up the mandolin a few years ago and really kind of fell in love with this tiny little instrument over here. And uh, yeah, I mean, I started, as John mentioned, I started the YouTube channel in 2020. Actually, I just hit my two-year anniversary, February 5th. um, Oh, congratulations. Thank you, of 2020. And you know it was you know, something to do i mean i i was a fan of some other music related lesson sites mm-hmm. and i saw kind of a niche that could be filled in, in doing what i do which i can explain a bit later but my my channel is called rock pop rock and pop mandolin and it uh-huh. focuses on giving lessons mandolin lessons or tutorial videos for rock and pop songs
1: okay great yeah that sounds really interesting i also play a little guitar myself i'm sure <laughs> Not as well as you, but I've never tried a mandolin. There's probably some crossover there a little bit, but maybe if we could go back even a little bit further, can you tell us about yourself and kind of what brought you to Japan and you know led up to the, the starting of this channel? Sure,
0: my background is actually in broadcasting, broadcast journalism. I'm from Canada where I worked in radio and television, both on the air and behind the scenes for about 25 years. And then in the early 2000s, I was working at CBC, which is kind of Canada's version of NHK, public Uh broadcaster. And I met, they have a relationship with some, with NHK actually, and some Japanese producers would come over every year and bring back some, some Canadian folks to work in the newsroom here. And Uh so I met the guy and at the time I was married to my first wife, who's Japanese. And she was expressing interest in moving back home. And I was really kind of, you know, I visited here a few times and I was kind of excited about it. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll check with the NHK people and see if I can get on that exchange program sometime. Right. Mm -hmm. Just thinking I might be able to come over for a short term visit or whatever. Well, the producer, he, you know, it didn't take he didn't reply right away, but it took about a year. And then he emailed me back. He said, Mike, we're setting up this new channel called NHK World News. And he said, I need an anchor person for, mainly for three or four days a week on weekends and Monday, Tuesday, whatever. Would you be interested in that? And I thought, wow, okay, well, that's part time, but the money was really good. And -hmm. it was basically full-time money for four days a week to come to Japan and work at NHK as a newscaster on an international broadcast, right? So yeah, I jumped at the chance and I came over here and I did that for about a year and a half. And then I ended up leaving there and going into print journalism. I did. I was a magazine editor for a couple of years met a couple of magazines, including Eurobiz magazine. Maybe uh-huh. You've seen that one around. And I did that. And when I was at NHK, because I was only working, a, you know, four days a week, I, I started university teaching part time, and uh, I had a master's degree, so I could teach some some courses part time. And I found I really loved it, and I I really uh-huh. love the students. I love being in the classroom. So. I always, always kind of had that in my mind that I wanted to teach. And if journalism didn't work out, well, it turns out that I guess around 2016 or so, I had an opportunity to, to move into teaching, university teaching full time at, at a couple of the gigs that I still have now. And so I, I left journalism and I've been doing that, you know, teaching university ever since. But my journalism and especially my broadcasting background, I think really helps in, you know, relating to the camera and being able to, be comfortable on air and not having to have a script, not mm-hmm. having to do anything. Like a lot of YouTubers when they're starting out, they want to write everything out and they want to have all yeah. the questions. And I just I just wing it. I just do it. And yeah, I have to edit a little bit here and there. But in general I just I'm able to do that because of you know my my experience in broadcasting. And certainly I also am familiar, a little bit familiar with some of the technical aspects of television, having worked with a lot of really good good people over the years. I've even, you know, shot some video myself over the years too. So I learned a bit about lighting and camera work from that. Mm. And even a little bit about editing. Um, Although uh, digital editing was new for me, but so I I combined all of that. And what I like to say, you know, I tell people that my YouTube channel kind of combines the three things that I, that I'm, that I, I have experience at broadcasting and that whole aspect teaching because my my tutorials are all about teaching mm-hmm. and then also music because i played music you know my whole life basically or since i was 13 so all three of those areas kind of funnel into one youtube channel called rock and pop mandolin that's wow. awesome
2: so you've, you've got all these things that that came together at the right time but what would you say was kind of like the hardest thing about really getting your channel up and running really getting it started
0: yeah i think the hardest thing probably the technical aspects of it and and you know, learning to have a, have some good lighting, learning to have, you know, get a good camera and learning the editing aspect. If you look at some of my early videos, frankly, they're a little bit, you know, embarrassing to me because I they don't look so good. I was using only one camera and mm-hmm. I had, you know, the lens was kind of weird that it cut off my top of my head. And uh, yeah, it just so since I've used I've gone to two cameras, I'm able to cut away. And I have a, a nice lens, as you can see, that, that you know, gives you some background, but also doesn't cut off your head and things like the lighting is more professional. So I think just the technical aspects of it, I've mm-hmm. learned along the way to be able to get to a point now where I'm
1: not so embarrassed anymore as the first <laughs> few videos were embarrassing. So kind of going on that, like what if somebody is going to start a YouTube channel, what basic equipment do they need or Maybe what basic equipment do they need, but what what's sort of more ideal to, to make great videos?
0: Yeah, well, I guess it depends on what kind of videos you want to do. But certainly mm. lighting is number one. Lighting. lighting's the main thing. I mean, if I turned these lights off, I'd be sitting here in the dark, basically, mm. even with the room light on above me. So the lighting really makes it professional. Here I have a bit of a problem because I have a, an, another door here where the, the sun comes in and it kind of works, you know, kind of a little bit of, it causes a few problems for exposure and stuff. So I have to close the door and open the door. But other than Mm -hmm. that, I think lighting and sound, you know, I use a a dedicated shotgun mic on the camera here, which I think helps rather than just the camera mic. And then, you know, a lot of people will just use the, their, the camera in their computers and that's fine. Especially, you know, in a Mac, your camera is, is pretty good Mm -hmm. or a dedicated webcam. I'm using, um, what's like an SLR. It's called a mirrorless camera, which is basically like an SLR. And it's a, it's a Lumix by Panasonic. And, you know, I was, you know, researching when I was setting this up, I did a lot of research, looking at other videos and people recommending equipment. And it seemed like the Panasonic and the Canon cameras, SLR type cameras were the best for doing video. And yeah, so I use that. And I have this, I also, when I do my, my music videos, I use another camera that's set up down below me here. That's focused on my mandolin so I can cut back and forth to close-ups okay. of what I'm what I'm playing and to you know help with lessons from there I think the software you know if you've got if you have a Mac you've got you get free software that you can use to start off with I used the free software on my Mac for the first 50 videos that I did basically you know iMovie and GarageBand I mean those those are two audio sources that I use or audio and video software sources that I use. Now I've, I've upgraded to the the next level of both of them, but they're basically the same with just a few more uh, tricks added. Are are you referring
2: to like final cut pro versus iMovie? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that one. If you know iMovie, if anyone's starting off a channel, if you know iMovie and you can work with it, final cut pro is an easy transition. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it's just a few more bells and whistles, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The same yeah. thing
0: with, with, you know, I, 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 what I do when I'm playing, when I'm doing my music is I, I record the music track, the audio track separately through some pro audio that I use here. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I started off doing it with GarageBand, same thing. And GarageBand is fine. It's excellent. And mm-hmm. it just gives you a better, a better sounding product. And mm-hmm. I found that, you know, sound is also really important. If you don't have a good sounding, uh, you know, mandolin, for example, or a guitar,
1: yeah.
0: people are probably not going to want to watch it. So there's a couple of mandolin people on YouTube that don't have it. And the mandolin tends to be very brittle sounding sometimes, very bright. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if, if, you, if you can't warm it up with some software, yeah. then maybe it, it won't sound as good. But so, so I use all of that. I record my audio track separately, and then when I'm in editing, I cut it all together in, okay. in post-production. And it takes a lot more time to do that, but mm-hmm. I, I want it, I want it to sound good and, and look good if, if possible.
1: Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about that because I think one of the things that really prevent people from starting a YouTube channel is how much time you're going to spend on something which doesn't have a return on investment at least right away. You know, it's yeah. kind of a buildup. So for, for your tutu- tutorial videos, could you tell us a little bit about how long the videos actually are what you upload and how much time that takes to create a video of that type?
0: Yeah, for, and for me, it's not only that, it's also learning the song too. Like uh-huh. I have to do you know, a song each time, a new one for me most of the time, right? So I have to spend you know a couple of hours woodshedding, as we say in music, woodshedding a song and learning that song well enough that I can present it in front of the camera first. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing is obviously shooting the video. So, and again, as I said before, as as a broadcaster, somebody who's experienced at broadcasting, I don't do many takes. So that's pretty cool. I can, most of the time I can get through with one or two takes. Mm -hmm. And so that really saves a lot of time. I think people who are not so comfortable on camera, it'll take them a little bit more time to, mm-hmm. to develop that skill. And then from there, yeah, the, it's just, uh, yeah, g- g- sitting down and editing. the. So I would say a couple hours to learn a song, maybe less than an hour to actually request a song, and then mm-hmm. probably in editing, maybe three or four hours. It, okay. So, yeah, it's a good, I'd say five or six hours on, on each tutorial I, I spent.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. And you post once a week? Is that like the frequency or are you less than that that's right I mainly post once a week I was trying
0: twice a week mm-hmm. and I you know I, I could do that but I found that I wasn't getting uh, the bang for my buck by doing two per week uh-huh. wasn't you know it wasn't paying off with any really much more in terms of revenue and it wasn't really paying off much in terms of viewers mm-hmm. um, I'd get a few more views if I posted Wednesday and, and Saturday or whatever but yeah. mainly, you know, for for the cost and what I'm actually getting and making out of it, it's it's best for me right now to do it once a week. If okay. I was a full time, if I didn't have my teaching job, if I was just doing this full time, then, yeah, maybe I could really step it up and do mm-hmm. more of that. But for me, I'm, I'm comfortable. And also, I, I, I want to avoid burnout, too. I think that's a problem yeah. a lot of YouTuber's face. And if I was really pressing it and trying to bang out two videos a week plus teaching a full load of classes every semester, I, I'd probably be burnt, burned out at both, right? Yeah. But, for, you know, now that we're in our break, you know, we have time and I, and I can kind of stockpile some videos, put them mm-hmm. in the can, do a bunch of songs and have them ready to go for March and April. But yeah, I think I'm comfortable with once a week right now.
2: So okay. Mike, do you do, do you do like one day would just be shooting you would set up a few different videos in, in one, not one take, of course, but you would try and get all of that done. Like you said, get it in the can and then do your editing later. Or do you do just one song, shoot it, edit it, get it ready for post, and then do the same thing every, every week. How, how do you really set that up to streamline it?
0: I try to do two songs at a time.
2: Okay. And usually
0: so the way my schedule was working during the semester I was done on wednesdays at 12:30. Mm-hmm. so and especially working from home as i have been here it would just be you know have lunch and then come back and everything's ready to go and i just bang off a couple of songs and then then i then it's to editing after that you know finding time during my schedule to edit sometimes even editing on a, on a weekend you know on a sunday or whatever if my mm-hmm. wife's doing something i can t- you know take a bit of time to edit but uh, yeah so i usually wednesday was my day uh, to record a couple of videos. Uh, when, I'm going to be probably returning back to the classroom in April, as you guys, mm-hmm. I'm sure, yeah. are too. So um, I, I think I could probably still do that once a week, bang off a couple of songs, but that gives me a bit of flexibility. So if I do two songs, that, that buys me a week off, basically, right? And then do two songs mm-hmm. and a week off. So I think that, to me, is the best use of my time. But other people might want to do three or four videos and get them all in the can and then have mm-hmm. all of that ready to edit and then just spend a bunch of time editing videos.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but for me, that's what more Can you see the the exposure going on me here? In my yeah, mirror? I saw it yeah. got dark suddenly. Yeah. yeah, it went behind the clouds. So I just adjust I can adjust the lighting on my camera and uh, okay. uh, I have to keep watching that because it does really, you know, having these Change. paper, paper windows. you know.
1: Yeah. Is- so I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the with you know, jumping back with when you are so choosing your topic for each video or, or the song that you're going to cover, are you doing that based pretty much purely on the song that you want to cover, you know something that you're interested in, or are there analytics involved where you're looking and you're saying, well, you know people really like this classic rock mandolin covers, or they like the the newer songs covered? how are you deciding that on kind of a weekly basis
0: that's a really good question and I think I've changed over mm-hmm. the the time that I've been doing it at first I just wanted to do songs that I liked and mm-hmm. songs that I played with with my band right with the mandolin yeah uh, but after a certain a short amount of time I noticed that the actual mandolin songs like Copperhead Road or something like that or you know the Rod mm-hmm. Stewart song the ones where there's actually a mandolin or losing yeah in by R.E.M., those ones were getting the most views. So even though, you know, I would do Sweet Child of Mine, you know, on the mandolin and that's cool, or or some Beatles songs, things like that, or even some Ed Sheeran or or, or more more contemporary stuff. It was those mandolin songs that really went viral for me or as viral as I've gone, which really isn't that viral yet. But the the one video that has almost 70,000 views, I would say, is my one viral video, and that was uh-huh. I did that back in the first year. And I'm again, it's, it's a little, I'm a little embarrassed by the look of it now, cause it was with one camera, but that one has been my most popular video. And that was the top five mandolin rock songs. And so oh, okay. I did some led Zeppelin. I did the, you know, Rod Stewart, some of the ones I just mentioned. And again, that one, you know, just gave little, a little taste of each of the five, I did top five, sorry, top five and a little taste of it. And then I linked to the actual tutorial videos. And that one really ah. took up for me, and that one is still to this day my number one viewed video. Even now, every week it gets the most views, and mm-hmm. it's it generated a lot of a debate in the comments. You know, why didn't you include this song? Why didn't you include <laughs> that one? So from there, I realized I've gotta I've gotta do the mandolin songs first, and then yeah. and then I can branch out and do other ones. But I, I had sort of a revelation recently, which really surprised me, and. John, you might laugh at this one, but I did an ACDC song. Highway. Oh, to- I
2: saw that. <laughs> I did awesome. Highway the
0: Hell on the Mandolin,
2: right? That's awesome.
0: And I I I you know, I never it never even crossed my mind to do an ACDC song, but I did, and I thought, okay, this one's easy. It's fun. I did it, and the thing went crazy. It was like my number one, it's been my one of my number one recent videos. Uh-huh. And so I, I thought, wow, okay, well, I guess. You know, you got to find popular songs, too. And ACDC is still popular to this day. Mm-hmm. So I just did another one. I just did Back in Black, which will come out this weekend. And yeah, so, it, you know, I just did a Steve Earle song called Galway, the Galway Girl, which I've uh-huh. been meaning to learn. It, it's not one of my favorite songs. It's one I've been putting off and putting off, but it's a mandolin song. And I uh-huh. did it. And it was, again, it shot to, like, number one for you know, over the last, you know, period of 10 videos. You- so. You've yeah, got
1: right. to wear the schoolboy outfit that for yeah. you know, their guitarist. I, I forget what what's his name. I can't. Mal- think of it Malcolm
2: right Young is it?
1: Malcolm Young. Yeah. yeah run yeah. around. Angus Young, Angus Young. Angus
2: That's Young. Angus Young. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I could, <laughs> that I mean, would... But you you wouldn't see the shorts here, <laughs> Yeah. you could do a stand up for a second. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: So, uh, Mike, do you have any? Do you have any like YouTube channels or really big YouTubers that you follow, or someone that you kind of look to for inspiration?
0: yeah a lot of them i mean i i really love youtube and I, I i watch more youtube than anything these days with my wife too she likes to watch travel videos with me and stuff so mm-hmm. yeah I, I certainly the the guitar channels were the ones that initially got me interested and in, and john you probably know marty music He he's great on the guitar he's like the grandfather of guitar tutorial mm-hmm. sites on youtube i think he's got over two or three million subscribers. Paul Davids is a Dutch guy out of Amsterdam I think or Rotterdam and he he's a brilliant guitar player and he's also got something like 2 million subscribers. I like Rick Beato who's a guitarist as well but he's more guitar and broader music. Tim Pierce is a he's he's somebody that only really guitar players would know but he's a he's a legendary LA studio guitar player and mm-hmm. I actually had him on my channel. I contacted wow. him him come on because he he plays the mandolin too and he played mandolin in that song iris by the google uh, sure, yeah was, I, apparently what he said it was it's was the number one played song like modern rock song in america during the 90s iris by the Goo dolls and he played the mandolin mm-hmm. and the guitar on that song so i had him come on and explain that to me and stuff so that was fun so yeah basically but i also like other channels i think peter mckinnon if you, I don't know if you know Peter McKinnon, but he does a photography no. channel. He's Canadian. He's from Toronto, yeah. but he he's got an amazing photography site, and I learned so much about the technical aspects of setting up a YouTube channel mm-hmm. from him, Peter McKinnon, and okay. he's got I don't know how many subscribers, like seven million or something. Yeah, he's,
2: it's a huge channel. He's wow. Crazy. Yeah, I've never heard of him. I and, check that out.
0: And then I, you know, I like some other things too. I like I, I'm just getting into gypsy jazz playing. You know, sort of the uh-huh. Django Heart stuff for mandolin so I've, I've i've you know i've subscribed to uh, jazz secrets a guy named robin mm-hmm. nolan british guy who's a great gypsy jazz guitar player and also mandolin secrets is a uh he's a swedish mandolinist i you know i like his videos too so there's some mandolin ones as well the reason uh-huh. i i don't know if you're going to ask me this but the reason i i got into rock and pop mandolin is that mm-hmm. I, I saw there There were a few mandolin channels out there. Mandolin Lessons, mandolessons.com is another one. Most of those do traditional mandolin songs, bluegrass or old time mm-hmm. music, or they'll do like Irish music or something like that. And, or jazz, like man, Mandolin Secrets, he does jazz mainly and some old time stuff. But there wasn't really anybody that was doing rock and pop songs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I started playing, I was trying to find where can I find, you know, Jimmy Buffett or something like that or yeah. Margaritaville or, you know, where can I find those basic songs for mandolin? And there were a few lessons here and there, but there wasn't really a site that was dedicated just to rock songs or pop songs. And mm-hmm. so that's a, a niche that I, I saw that that niche could be e- exploited, I think. And I, I saw that yeah. I've actually had a lot of my subscribers or people who comment say that to me that they're not really into bluegrass music or traditional stuff so much they like it but they mm-hmm. prefer rock and i'm the same way i mean i don't mind some of the traditional stuff bluegrass and i appreciate their abilities and i love jazz but i'm i'm more of a rock pop guy that's what i played my whole life and i still mm-hmm. play with the band so i i decided I, I saw an opportunity there that could be filled and really like i've gotten a lot of feedback positive feedback on that and. The, another thing, I worried about a lot of feedback from the traditionalists, the mandolin yeah. tradition, who would say, look, you're not playing Bill Monroe and bluegrass on there. Come on. This is a bluegrass instrument. And I have had a couple of comments like that, a couple of emails. But in general, most people are pretty supportive and they realize that I'm trying to do something different. And I'm not, mm-hmm. I, you know, I can't really compete with those guys who do bluegrass because that's their life. And they've been playing mm-hmm. that. For years. I, I don't really even play that. So yeah. but I play rock songs on the mandolin and I can teach them. So I think i found just like any business, right? You've got to find an area that's undervalued or underserved and serve that, that, that area that, to fill that niche. And I think that's what I've tried to do with, with the site.
1: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, so you said you collaborated with at least one of the people you like. Is there anyone else that you'd like to collaborate with or, or maybe you could talk a little bit about collaboration in general? Like how do you get these things started do you reach out to people, you know, how do you network in order to find collaborators for your channel?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've actually done a couple of other videos with some guys that I know here in, mm. in Tokyo, foreign guys who play mandolin. And uh, my friend uh, Rob Moreau who's, who's kind of my mandolin senpai. <laughs> huh. uh, he, that's, you know, he, I played in a band with him. He was on mandolin. I was on guitar and I, I was listening to it and I thought, this is such a beautiful instrument. I want to learn to play it. And so basically You know, after that band was finished, I picked up the mandolin and I started playing it. But uh, yeah, and so I've done some stuff with him. uh, There's another Canadian guy named Johnny Barefoot. Um, Mm -hmm. He's a brilliant local musician here, too. And he I've had him on. I'm actually going to be editing another video that we did together. But yeah, in terms of, you know, the more famous folks, I would love to get some... You know, more famous people on. I would love to get uh, Chris Dealey, who's one of my mandolin idols, an American mandolinist who's just amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd love to get Steve Earle to come on and talk about Copperhead Road or some of his stuff, right? Yeah. I've reached out to some of them. I've sent emails to their publicity people. Chris Dealey's publicity said no at this point. Maybe once I hit 10,000 subscribers, maybe they'll, or 15,000, maybe they'll come back and say yes. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, sir so I've tried. I've reached out, and I'm still reaching out, trying to contact other, even other YouTubers to come on and and give us a lesson. I think it just adds to the to the perspective and gives the audience something a little bit different than just me all the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I think variety is good too, and yeah. it's hard to have variety when you're still when you're doing the same thing you know mandolin tutorials over and over so i also do product reviews and things like that i I look at you know music related products and and that sort of thing i'm actually getting a new mandolin Mm -hmm. in a few weeks so a custom made you know kind of an expensive one i'm gonna pick it up when i go back to canada next week so oh wow yeah so that one you know i'm gonna i'll bring it back and i'll do a, a nice review of that one that's part of the agreement that I had with the mandolin maker that I'm going to promote it on my channel. okay.
2: Yeah. That's a little perk from your, from your channel right there for sure.
0: Well, yeah. And you know, we can talk about what, what you think I I wanted to get out of the the channel, right? You were going to.
2: Yeah, that was actually one of my, one of my questions I really wanted to ask you. And it's probably applicable to, to like the expat fire club podcast as well. But for someone who would just want to start a channel, a YouTube channel, for example, I know that you have to get. At least a thousand subs subscribers and you have to have i think it's like four thousand hours of public watch time and so i was just gonna say is there is there any way like how how exactly would someone starting out as a youtuber actually make money
0: am i there am i frozen up on you there
2: no no you're still there but i i was i'm not sure if you heard my my question there but i was just wondering how could you tell someone who's listening to this who wanted to start their own youtube channel How exactly would they generate money from that
0: yeah you're right you got the uh, the benchmarks there the you know the what is it four thousand hours tuned and the one thousand subscribers and that took me a while to reach that point so essentially you're doing work for nothing for the first Mm -hmm. while but once you hit that level and get approved then Mm -hmm. you get some ad revenue and uh, you know from google ads and you know, people think it's nothing. I've had, you know, when I was starting out, I had some of my friends say, ah, oh, YouTube, it's like Spotify, you're gonna get pennies or less than less than a cent per song. Actually, no, you you make a little bit of money. I mean, you do make some money. And mm-hmm. right now I'm I'm making some money on the channel. It's not a lot of money, but it's certainly a lot more than I, I've made with stuff I posted on, you know, my music on Spotify or on, mm-hmm. on other music sites. So you do get you do get some value from it money money-wise, monetarily. But I didn't really do it for that so much. I mean, of course, I'd like to down the road, have a nice little thousand dollar a month side hustle money coming in. And that, that may happen down the road someday, right? If I'm up to 50,000 subscribers or something like that. But right now, the, the reason I I started at number one, just, you know, because I love to play mandolin and I love to teach mandolin. But number two, I you know, I think it was sort of an opportunity to get some equipment to upgrade equipment mm-hmm. and to get some gear and to get some sponsors and things like that so i've had sweetwater music in the states that has sent me a couple of nice pedals for free to try out and to use and then this mandolin i basically got this this custom mandolin at cost basically half price mm-hmm. um, and uh, so you know we we had a little little agreement with you know i got an agreement with the, with the mandolin maker to promote it on my channel in exchange for giving it to me at cost. So I think that that was the goal for me, just to get you know some some nice equipment and to mm-hmm. reach out to people and have some fun. And I still have fun with it. It's a, still a lot of fun. And another sort of reason for me too was just to kind of improve my playing and improve my mm-hmm. knowledge of songs. And I've done 140 videos now, so I've, I've had to learn 140 songs. Mm-hmm. And that's my mandolin playing is really taking a, a, a leap up. And also, you know, I've got a lot of songs that I can play with my band or whatever. And, and, and that sort of thing. So, it, and I still have fun with it. I, I have fun interacting with my subscribers, by the way, I also do Patreon too. Right. Oh, Okay. The Patreon part of it is about half of my, my income. So oh. it's, it's the YouTube channel, and from that, I spun off a Patreon page where I have, I think it's 24 patrons on there now, mm-hmm. and, you know, they can give me anywhere from $2 to $5 to $20 a month, and so I have almost, I'm almost making an equal amount of revenue from those two sources, and then recently, I I did some uh, mandolin lesson videos, which I've mm-hmm. been selling, and, uh, you know, I sell those for $29.99, and, they, you know, that hasn't taken off as I expected it would, but I've sold about 30 of them so far. So, and that that's something that can be just ongoing. And for me, like the thing with YouTube and and, and so on is I could stop tomorrow and those videos would still be out there. And mm-hmm. although I wouldn't get the same amount of views, I would still get some views and I would still be making some money, Um, you know, in, in perpetuity, as they say, right? And yeah. Uh, the future. So it's it's a source of income that will always be coming in as long as as YouTube is around, right? Yeah.
1: So So I, I wanted to ask you just to kind of clarify on these sort of streams of income that we have. So from YouTube, usually like, you know, some people might not understand how you make your money from it, but usually there's ad revenue, right? Yeah. And then there can be sponsorship deals, which maybe don't also include money, but they can include perks to you, like getting free pedals or half price instruments. Is there anything else coming from that? And then also what other streams of income, like you said there, you know, you can, you sell on Patreon, you sell lessons. Do you also help, does this also help you book gigs? Yeah. Anything else on that, that thing, just sort of streams of income. Right. Interesting. Okay.
0: Yeah. So basically the, the way that YouTube works in terms of ad revenue, um, is they give you a split, I think it's 60, 40, something like that. So they keep 40%, but, mm-hmm. and, and people, and again, when I first started out, people would say, well, why do you want to do that? You're giving away almost half your money. Well, they do all the work. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I do the work in making the videos. <laughs> I don't have to do any of the work in terms of selling. I don't have to get out and approach clients. I don't have to do any of that. They do that. And the algorithm somehow gets it out there that my videos are placed you know, in, on, on, the, on the screens of people who may be interested in mandolin. So, and then the, the, the advertisers as well that I have, you know, are are chosen by them or selected by, uh-huh. by YouTube or Google, I guess. And then they, they are placed, you know, in the ads. Now, I can do, I, you do have some control if you want to have ads. Uh-huh. I can choose not to have any ads during my video if I wanted to. But I've decided to place three three ads, space them out over the course of a fifteen or twenty minute video, and the ads are pretty short; they're like mm-hmm. a minute, thirty seconds. And for each one, you get a, a, a bit of revenue back. So I've spaced them out on each I've, on each of my videos. I do that beforehand. I put them during, you know, breaks between, you know, segments of my videos, and so that revenue comes back, and it's it's not significant but it's it's real and it's way mm. way better. I'll say it's way way better than any of the music streaming services will give you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a few hundred dollars a month right now. And then mm. yeah, and then and then Patreon and and it'll, that'll grow. You know, as the more viewers you have as you continue to grow, the more money you'll get, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you have uh, yeah, you have other revenue streams which are possible. You can you can connect to it like the Patreon thing as I mentioned. Patreon, you know, in, in all of my videos, I probably annoy people by saying, you know, check out my Patreon links, whatever. But, you know, they do. And and I've got, you know, 24 people are now patrons, and three of them take private lessons with me. I, I charge them. I don't charge them a lot of money for that. 20, 20 bucks mm-hmm. a month for an hour, which is actually pretty cheap for a music lesson.
2: Yeah, that's really yeah. cheap, for at it, least for guitar lessons. I don't know about mandolin lessons.
0: Yeah, so, but, you know, I've got three people on there that are paying for that, and they, they you know, they those three have been my YouTube subscribers since right near the start. So I don't really want to charge them any more money. They've been very supportive of me and they've been patrons of mine for two years, Mm -hmm. giving me money every month. So I, you know, I, I I don't mind that for, for, for the $20, but then you have, as I said, then you have the, you know, I, I did the video lessons and I recorded those and those are a separate thing. And again, I link to those if people want to click on that and buy them, they can. And there's also merchandise, too. I don't do any merch, but some people do merchandise. They'll have Mm T-shirts, caps or whatever. Yeah, and I've just moved into the realm of approaching music instrument companies for paid sponsorships. Mm -hmm. I don't have any of those right now. But I'm hoping to maybe connect when, once I hit 10,000 subscribers in a couple of months, then I can maybe reach out to, you know, retailers, for example, like elderly instruments in the States, mm-hmm. a couple of companies that sell mandolins, obviously. And, you know, if I, you know, if I get an agreement with them, maybe a hundred bucks a month or 200 bucks for you know, running a quick little, you know, placement or something in, in, my, mm-hmm. in my videos, I don't mind doing that. And, you know, some people don't want to do advertising and they have a, a problem with it. And I, mm-hmm. I, I respect that. But again, as much as I love doing the channel, I don't want to do it for nothing, you know. So mm-hmm. if, if I'm going to spend that that amount of time doing a video, I'm not making a lot of money, but I want to make something back a little bit. Either it's equipment or a little bit of revenue. And again, maybe down the road, if it does, it does go higher, maybe I can make, you know, there, there's another revenue stream for
1: when we when we retire, you know, down the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And have you ever, so you talked about, you know, people sponsoring you, but have you ever paid for advertising, like targeted Facebook ads or, you know, a shout out? I know people do that from Instagram or another YouTuber. Have you ever done anything like that? Or is it just all organic, organically grown? I've never done the Facebook ads. I've never bought ads.
0: But I have done a couple of shout outs on people, you know, on, on people when they're doing live streams. Uh, mm-hmm. in fact, the way that's the way I met Tim Pierce is that mm-hmm. he was on Rick Beato was doing a, a live thing at New Year's, I think two years ago. And and so Tim Pierce was on with him live. And I so I paid five bucks to send a message that would be highlighted, hey Tim, I have a mandolin channel. Would you come on and teach Iris with mm-hmm. me? And he said, Yeah. He said, Here, yeah, he he said, he said, email me and, and we'll talk. And true to his word, I emailed him after that and he and he said, Yeah, okay, let's do it.
2: So we set it up what are those like the it's called like a super chat or something like that exactly yeah i I think that you can pay to get your chat highlighted and then youtube takes their cut and then i'm not sure how much is left for the for the producer there but uh, yeah that's that's another way right there but now mike you we've already talked about how it takes a thousand subscribers and four thousand hours of watch time public watch time here what advice would you give to to someone who's really just starting out and they want to they want to grow their channel to get to that point where they can start getting advertising and and maybe start collaborating with other channels and and actually generate some revenue? What advice would you give someone to to get to that point?
0: Well, initially, I'd say just do it and just get better, because everybody is is rough at the beginning. So that, that's just mm-hmm. a fact of life. You're going to be. Kind of rough, and it's it's not going to look as professional as it would down the road. But just do it. Just start doing it. And if you have to memorize a script or use a script, then do that. But again, make sure you're you get the best equipment that you can afford. If you can't afford lights, if you can't afford a good camera, well, that's fine. But the I mean the lights that I have were seven thousand yen, seventy bucks, right? I mean it's not it's like nothing. And the camera was under a thousand, eight hundred bucks. So that's a bit of an expense, but the microphone here was 50 bucks. So there you go. I mean, just get some reasonably uh, adequate equipment to, to raise yourself above the level of people just looking into their computers, right? Mm-hmm. And so many people do that. I mean, I have some friends who, who've tried to start YouTube channels, and they just stand in front of the com- their computer and look into the, into the camera, and uh, it looks that, like that. Number two, make sure that you have a professional-looking set. And I think John I really like your set for your YouTube at your desk there it looks professional and it looks like what you are is an educated yeah. professional, I, professional I need
1: to improve mine I unfortunately only have this dedicated space but Right definitely John is is motivated me <laughs> Yeah and I think John you you've obviously put some time
0: and effort into thinking about that right and for me, I'm just lucky we have this room in our house that I, I can use, but I took a lot of things down. We had, you know, painting or pictures up there and, you know, I I, I just, I, I decluttered the background except for the little rock pop mandolin thing over there, but cool. um, just declutter, declutter your background. A friend of mine does a YouTube channel and he, he sits in his, in his basement with the, the sofa and he's got crap all over the sofa, like mm-hmm. cushions and blankets. And then he's got He's got guitars hanging here and he's got it. And it just, you know, if he was to ask me for advice, I would say just first declutter your room. Don't have any distractions. You want your viewers to focus on you and what you're doing and not be distracted by looking at things in the background so much. Right. And that, so that's it. I think the technical aspects of it are the most important thing at first. And then just do it and practice and get better. And you will. And don't be afraid to make mistakes. At the beginning if you're editing you can cut out the mistakes right and and learn to use editing software like we said earlier the imovie or final cut whatever it's really easy to learn right john i mean you could probably pretty easy so learn that maybe maybe if you want to use garage band for your sound if you're doing a music channel use that but you don't have to you can just do it like this so i would say just the the technical aspects would be the, the first thing make sure you have a good set think of it as a set, like a movie mm-hmm. set, rather than just your room or whatever, right? Because that's to me, to me, this is almost, I mean, this is a production, what I do. It's its a production, it's a professional production. So you want to have a professional look as much as possible, right? As much as possible. I mean, sure, I'd love to be in a studio where I mm-hmm. have big lights and I don't have these windows here that you know, are causing problems with exposure, but I don't have that that money right now but certainly i think make do with the best that you have but you can improve things too and think about your set and things like that yeah
1: so you know i i guess one of my questions is why youtube what is it about youtube that you really like and you know the community and what do you find most rewarding about using YouTube, as opposed to other platforms or starting out on other platforms? What
0: I like about YouTube is it's basically just up to you. And, you know, having worked in broadcasting for many years, Canada and and in Japan here, you know, it's not just you. You've got a whole team working with you and you've got a bunch of people telling you what to do. You've got producers. And, you know, one of the things I got into at NHK was disagreements over news content and mm-hmm. things like that where I didn't agree with the news the way it was being written sometimes. There were errors and they wouldn't correct them. So th- those types of things are are problematic when you're working in the media. And mm-hmm. when you're just doing your own thing like this, nobody can tell you what to do. You're you're, you're your own boss. And it, it's all, it's up to you. Whatever you put into it and whatever you invest in, you get out of it. And you're not, you know, at first you don't make a lot of money at it. And i'm still not making a lot of money at it but it's it's yours and it's it's really truly i think the most you know well it's not completely free to broadcast but you know what i mean it's free of any constraints in mm-hmm. broadcasting it's just to me it's just pure broadcasting and you're not being told what to do you're not constrained by some of the other things that the politics and the media as well. It's just you and you're just doing your best and trying to, you know, and of course, you have to listen to your audience and take Mm -hmm. their their suggestions and listen to their feedback and improve if they if they criticize you and things like that. I I think that's another thing, too, that I would say to YouTubers is or new YouTubers don't be too put off by negative comments and trolling Mm -hmm. at first because you will get it. And I still get it. You know, I still get trolling. But it's you, not. Why, do, a, why
2: would you troll someone that's trying to teach you how to play a new instrument? I don't care.
0: Exactly. You know, and I, yeah. I've never. I would never troll anybody, even the worst YouTube music teachers out there. I would never go on and troll them because I know they're just trying their best. Mm-hmm. You know, if they ask me for advice, I might tell them. But but no, it, it, some people just you know have nothing better to do. And I've had a. I have had ai haven't had a lot of trolls. I, actually, I'm surprised. I thought I would get more. Again, yeah. from the tra- sort of traditionalists. But I had one guy, I did an REM video recently, and I had one guy just come on and just make a comment. Why? You know, it's in other words, why are you doing this song? You know, and I thought, why would you say that? Like, I've spent, you know, m- many hours doing this song for free for people to learn, and people liked the song. It got, you know, several hundred views. So why why would you do that? Like, why would you- why would you
1: take the comment the time to make that comment right? It's like yeah. <laughs> if you don't like the song, just move on, right It doesn't make I skip sense it. Like, But
0: I I've know had, how people are. <laughs> yeah and I've had one or two or comments like that over the years and the thing is I, I'm pretty good at, at maintaining my feedback there and I can just del- eliminate them. And if I get something really negative, they're instantly banned from the channel and that's it they're mm-hmm. gone. So yeah. good luck. You know, if you you want to learn rock and pop mandolin songs, you're not going to learn it from me anymore. If you if you give mm-hmm. me some really something really negative, but other times I've had people who have pointed out things that are constructive, like mm-hmm. Mike. You know, that's actually an E seven chord. It's not an E minor seven or something. You know, technical music wise, yeah. and I'm and, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. And and I I put a disclaimer on a video. Yeah, I, that chord was slightly wrong, and I want to get it as accurate as I can for people to mm-hmm. learn. Right, so. I do that and uh, yeah. what was the, the rem uh, losing my religion one guy pointed out that i i had a, a the, the part i played the part wrong and i went back and i looked at the original parts that were played by the, the mandolin player and yeah the, the guy was right i was playing it slightly in the wrong position it was the right notes but the wrong position so mm-hmm. i put that on the bottom i said you know actually the, peter buck does it here rather than what i'm doing but it's the same notes <laughs> So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you want to try to be accurate, but you take constructive criticism and learn from that, too. And th- I think that's being a musician, too. Like you, you always get that from other musicians if it's positive and not, mm-hmm. you know, done negatively. That's how you learn, too, at whatever level you're at. Right. So that that's another I think that's another good thing about the channel is it's helped my musicianship as well.
1: Yeah. And- Have you gotten any? What has been the feedback you've gotten from people around you, not not your audience on YouTube, but just like sort of friends and family? Because one thing I, I think, you know, both John and I sometimes face is because we're doing something on finance, there are criticisms of of doing that or concentrating too much on money that I sometimes hear from coworkers. But I would assume music is a little bit more universal. But what has been your experience with the, you know, friends and family? Oh, it's been all supportive of them. People are,
0: to be honest with you, they're kind of impressed with it, even though it's not making a lot of money. They're impressed that I've got Mm. close to 7,500 subscribers. I'm impressed with that. I can't believe the mandolin, there's that interest in the mandolin, right? To get at 70, almost 7,500 subscribers now. And I should hit 10,000 probably by July. So I'm impressed, but I had one of my friends was really funny early on. He, uh, He's a musician guy, and he's he's British. He's back home in England now, but he was here in Japan for a while. And And he came on, and when I hit, like, 2,000 or something early on, he said, wow, there's actually 2,000 people in the world that play mandolin? Huh, 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 huh? <laughs> and I, I know, I, I responded, I know he's a guitar player, but I know he's a classically trained cellist, too. Yeah. And I said, hey, I, I responded back, I said, hey, cello breath. I said, <laughs> yeah, just wait and see. Let's see how how, how far this goes. So he laughed and he said, Boy, that's a that's a great line. Cello breath, you remember that. <laughs> and so we, that, that, we that's
2: gonna he, be his YouTube channel when he starts one. Probably. Yeah, cello breath.
1: You can
0: start so, cello breath. So, so every time I hit a new benchmark or whatever, I, I I ping him and I say, you know, hey, I'm not three thousand, I'm not fine. he He's gotta be sick of it, right? Anytime <laughs> I go up, I say, Hey, I guess there's seven thousand mandolinists in the world now, right? Maybe <laughs>
1: maybe you're converting guitarists. So that's even worse. You're not you're not just tapping in. You're you're turning the guitarist. Well, actually, that's
0: true. That, that's true. And I, you know, I was a guitarist starting out, and a lot of my subscribers are are guitarists or coming over from other instruments, and that's maybe why they're not necessarily traditionalists like bluegrass mandolinists mm-hmm. because they've come over from playing rock songs, and now they they want to play rock songs on the mandolin. And, yeah, I mean, I mo- I would say most of my subscribers are probably that. They're probably yeah. guitar players who've come over or just people who've never played anything. and just want to pick up the mandolin. But uh,
1: sometimes much, people... Much smaller than the guitar. So, <laughs> Not yeah, more, and, a little bit smaller. And also, you know, I've been
0: able to, re- you know, some, part of my promotion is to reach out to YouTube channels or YouTube. Yeah, YouTube channels, YouTube groups like a mandolin group or a guitar group. And I've shared my videos across some of the guitar groups thinking that they were going to nail me for spamming or something, but no, they've uh, all been very supportive and they've all said, yeah, this is fine. This is cool. You know, because I'm, I'm teaching something and uh, I'm giving people some value. And I think that's the number one thing that I've found that I've learned about YouTube is pr- you've got to provide value for people. And, you know, like, I'm a musician, I have my own channel that's got my music on, it's got like 54 subscribers. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know other musicians here, like, like, some of the ones I mentioned, who are brilliant, way better than me. And they've got maybe 100 subscribers for their own music. And it's because you're, you're, while you're providing music for people, you're, they're not, they're not getting anything really useful other than pleasure, I guess, out of it, if they like your Mm -hmm. song. But to really make you something out of YouTube, I think, is you've got to provide a service for somebody or you've got to give them something of value, whether it's, it's music or financial advice or whatever. The travel channels, well, I guess you could say they're, you're, they're taking you to a new, new places and teaching yeah. you about that, right? But, you know, Peter McKinnon, he's, he, he could be just making flashy videos, but he's teaching how you know, camera work, and videography, and photography. I think that's the key. If, if you wanna make your YouTube channel a success, then think about it in as something that's providing value for people. If you're a musician and you wanna promote your music, don't just put your songs out there. I mean, that's okay, and your songs might be great, but you're not gonna get a lot of views, and people will not check it out if they don't know you, if you're not a big mm-hmm. name, right? But if you can provide some value, look at the exposure going crazy on me here. If if you if you can provide some value for people and then share your songs once you build an audience, I think that's that's the way to go. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the YouTube that's great advice. Yeah, yeah, and the The... YouTube channels that I like are all like that. They're all providing me with some value as a viewer, or Mm -hmm. you know, they're they're taking me to exotic places in terms of travel videos that I like. But but the music. Ones are, you know, that, I mean, I don't watch a lot of music dedicated band channels, unless it's some huge band that's out there that's, you know, doing some, some of their own stuff. That's that I know, but somebody who's, who I don't know, and I'm always open to new music as well. I love new music, but you just don't have the time or the energy, right? Oftentimes Mm -hmm. to, to seek out a lot of new music.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of closing things out here, Mike, do you, you mentioned Spotify and you said well there wasn't much you didn't get much traction with that one do you ever see yourself branching out into other platforms like instagram or what's the other one like tiktok is it one that that's huge right now or mm-hmm. do you have any other platforms that you plan on on taking your your channel to
0: well i am on instagram i do post some of my videos there just the the the, the snippets little snippets one minute snippets of my videos um Mm -hmm. on there and that you know that has helped to promote the youtube channel because i put the youtube address on there reddit also has been useful for me there are some music sites there like mandolin sites whatever but you know i found instagram is not i'm not as interested in instagram as many other people are for whatever reason i guess because you can't really i mean you can post long form videos on there but i just haven't gotten the the traction Mm -hmm. there and um, just, I think for me, YouTube, I haven't even looked into TikTok or anything like, that. I, I suppose I could, but YouTube's kind of occupying a lot of my free time right now. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah, other, yeah, but Instagram is is useful for, you know, it's all about cross promotion, right? Mm-hmm. My, my Facebook page, my Instagram and Reddit that, you know, I, even Twitter, I, I don't use Twitter for this channel anymore. I tried at the beginning, but it wasn't getting me any traction right? So I just, I use Twitter for just personal use, but it's all kind of a cross promotion and it it helps. I know that sharing with the Facebook groups has really helped to boost Mm -hmm. my and and subscribers, but in general, no, I think YouTube, we'll just, we'll see how how far that goes. And once I get to 10,000 subscribers, I'll reassess and see if it's worth doing one a week or maybe just one every couple of weeks or whatever. And Mm -hmm. uh, from there, but it's, it's been a fun ride over the last two years. And yeah, and, and working and, you know, I've met some other YouTubers just online and they're really nice people I admire. And uh, yeah, it's it's just been a lot
1: of fun. Well, yeah, this has been great, Mike. You know, I mean, I I know that John has a YouTube channel. I don't. So for me, a lot of this is really interesting and inf- new information, especially for someone just getting started out. And I'm sure good tips for people that already have something up and running. I think your media background really brings a lot to you know to your creation of these videos. But really happy to have you on. Well, thanks. And you know, you don't need media background to do it.
0: But I mean, John, I love I love John's YouTube channel. I've already told you that, John. And I'm not just thanks. saying it here. I mean, I've used. I mean, you have some very useful tips there for things to use in the classroom and things like that that I've already used. And um, so I think that's it. If, if you're providing value for people then you'll you'll grow. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's it. And, you know, I don't know if you if you share those videos over an OTJ or whatever, if they allow you, but that would be great if you could grow with that. And yeah, I mean, that's a very professional looking looking YouTube channel, too. And that's the key. Just, you know, mm-hmm. look, look, look a little more. Prof- just try to be a little more professional than than the average person out there who's just doing it in their bedroom or, or whatever. Right. Mm
2: hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great
1: advice.
2: Excellent. Yes. Well, everybody watching this one, it's Rock and Pop Mandolin. If you go on YouTube and just search for Rock and Pop Mandolin, you'll find Mike on there and definitely subscribe. We'll we'll link your channel in the uh, in the show notes here when when we post this podcast here as well. So, yes, Mike, thank you very much for taking time out of your out of your day. And Daniel, do you have any other questions you wanted to ask Mike, before we close? No, that's, out?
1: that's great. No, that was, that, that was it. Thank you so much for coming on. No problem. Thanks very much for inviting me guys. It's nice to
0: chat.
2: All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and end this stream right here. And um, please uh, do be sure to also look down below and subscribe to this channel and be sure to subscribe to Mike's as well. All right. Thanks a lot. And we will see you in the next one.